You are listening to the Blessed Sacrament Roman Catholic Parish Podcast. We are disciples in mission who know God, love God, and serve God. This um, parable of the talents is quite likely the most argued about parable of them all. Over the years, there have been a remarkable range of different interpretations given to to what Jesus meant in this story about talents. So rather than offering yet another interpretation, let's consider for a bit here what might have caused so many different interpretations of Jesus' words. Maybe that'll give us an insight into our own time. Okay? Well, we learn from the writings of the Welsh author Matthew Henry that in the early 1700s, people interpreted this priceless gift, this, this talent, as a metaphor for God's command that everyone should have engaging work. The concern at the time was that Idleness led to sinful behavior. Indeed, the phrase, idle hands of the devil's workshop, comes from that period. A little later, in the oh, 1870s, we learn from the writings of, of Charles Spurgeon that the people of his time interpreted this priceless gift as being a personal ability that was to be used for the benefit of all. The thinking at the time was that this social unrest that was sweeping through Europe at the time could be quelled if people would just apply their abilities for the benefit of others. The worst uh, financial depression seen to that time began in 1873. So moving on to around the mid-1970s, we see in the writings of the popular author William Barclay that the people of his time interpreted this priceless gift as God granting to everyone lifelong responsibilities. That was the time of self-discovery, the the time of self-indulgence, and the concern then was, well, that irresponsibility was going to run rampant. And it did. By the 1980s, there was a very pronounced social shift away from faith and to rationalization. The concern then was everyone needed to actualize his own personal attention in his own personal abilities. It was all about self. And so they interpreted the gift as God granting them a guilt-free life. Just a couple examples of how widely different the interpretations of this, this parable have been. But there's a pattern. There's a pattern for us to observe here. People interpret what they hear in the context of what they perceive to be the pressing social issue of their time. That's the pattern here. So we're 
Well, we're products of our own environment, aren't we? What you hear from here doesn't fall on a blank slate. What you perceive to be the pressing issues of our time influences how you interpret what you hear. And you're probably a bit surprised to realize how strong that influence really is. So, what do we take from this? Well, about a week or so ago, there was an election in the state of Ohio. People there elected to change their state constitution to legalize abortion. What you may not realize is there's one awful lot of Catholics in the state of Ohio. A lot of them. And yet the polls show that the majority of Catholics there voted to legalize abortion. This is in spite of a really earnest campaign on the part of the bishops there to make the church's teaching on the subject very clear. So we're left with the question, how could so many Catholics interpret the situation differently than the bishops had intended? Well, the answer lies in the very same reason as to why so many different interpretations of Jesus' words have come about from this parable. People interpret what they hear based on their perception of the prevailing issue of the time. If all the rhetoric, if all they heard was how abortion is a matter of women's reproductive rights, then they perceive the pressing issue of the time is defending women's rights. And hey, let's face it, the inequity women have faced has gone on for centuries. So it, it's quite logical that many well-meaning people would say, ah, that's what I need to defend. That's how I'll vote. Did you notice there wasn't a single word about abortion being the deliberate murder of an unborn child? When the right to life of the child is stepped forward, the whole issue changes entirely. Now you may say, well, gee, if that's so, how come the right to life of the unborn isn't front and center? The answer lies in the fact that we live in a culture in which the body and how it body appears and what we can do with our body is our identity. That's the way this culture works. Because we can't see the body of an unborn child, the child has no identity. That's why the Knights of Columbus put so much money and effort into making ultrasound imaging available to pregnant mothers. Once they see the body of this child moving in the images, oh my God, that's a person. That's not a clump of cells, that's a person. Everything changes then. Okay, so now what? You can be sure that legalizing abortion is going to be on the Arizona ballot next year. It is quite likely going to be on the ballot of virtually every state in the Union. If every time the subject of abortion comes up, you keep the discussion 
on the right to life of the unborn child and don't get distracted. If you are willing to support and encourage ultrasound imaging for pregnant mothers, you will have taken the lesson of all the many interpretations and reinterpretations of this parable and you will have put it to good use in our times. You will have attended to what matters most. For what people interpret, you can influence by influencing what they perceive is the pressing issue of our time. That's the lesson here. Thank you for listening to the Blessed Sacrament Roman Catholic Parish podcast. We are disciples in mission who know God, love God, and serve God.